Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where, well, that's what we give you, Just the News. So today, we're going to be talking about COVID. We've got Dr. Stephen Hotze, one of the great doctors out of the state of Texas. He is stirring up the dust in Texas, challenging the medical establishment, the Republican governor of the state, on how they're approaching COVID. And uh, he has some of the data, some of the tactics, some of the frontline medical experience that you might not be getting from the media or the public health officials about what's really going on with COVID, how it's changing, how the death rates are dropping and hospitalization rates are dropping even as it spreads faster. And he describes this as part of a process, an evolution that all respiratory viruses go through. You're not going to want to miss this. This guy's got a lot of frontline experience as a doctor in Texas. You've probably seen him on uh, Fox News and other news networks over the last few months. He's been an interesting and influential voice with a contrarian view of how our public health officials, our governors, and others have been dealing with the pandemic. And so we're going to have him on in a little bit. Uh, but first, we're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about our two recent investigative exposés at Just the News on Dr. Anthony Fauci, yes, the head of the NIAID, the Infectious Agen uh, Disease Agency. Uh, he's been at the forefront of handling this pandemic and now beginning to have some criticism. And as he defends himself, we're going to talk about what we found in his background. But we're going to go to this commercial break. We'll be back in about a minute or two, and we'll start talking about Dr. Fauci. And then on to another doctor, Dr. Stephen Hotze from Texas, Houston, Texas. You're going to want to hear his story about what's really going on in the front lines of the battle against COVID-19. All right, we'll be right back. Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Remember, if you like what we do at Just the News, at John Solomon Reports, the podcast, you can do something for us by supporting our great advertisers and sponsors. Let them know you love them for loving us, all right? All right, so before we get to Dr. Stephen Hotze, you're going to want to hear his story out of Houston. It's compelling. He's suing the government. He's kicking up dust. He's a tumbleweed coming across the, the Texas sky. Watch out. He's, got, he's going to make some news. But before we get to that, I want to get to Dr. Anthony Fauci because, as you know, the media has held him up as sort of the sage voice of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And as we know... He's had some conflicts, right? He originally said, go on a cruise and then go on a cruise. I think his first advice was probably pretty bad. He said, wear, don't wear a mask. Now it's wear a mask. Uh, he's given us different uh, rates. In the same month, he wrote a paper saying that the death rate of COVID would probably be about one-tenth of one percent. Then he went on the media and said it would be ten times that. So if you've been confused by his behavior and his advice, uh, you're not alone. In fact, Dr. 
Fauci himself on a recent interview said, I, I think I understand why Americans sometimes get confused by what we're saying. Well, he's the guy in the middle of it, so he is the one of the points of confusion. But last week, as he started to take some criticism, he was asked about that, and he said, listen, I think people should trust me based on my long record of medicine in, in the government. Well, we went back and looked at his record in medicine, and this is what we found. Multiple times over his career, since he took over the NIAID, the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases, he has had multiple controversies concerning patient safety and, and ethics of doctors. Uh, the most serious may have been a study they did with AIDS drugs on foster children in New York City and Illinois, where the children, because they didn't have their parents, were supposed to get patient advocates, someone to watch out for their health while these very toxic and powerful drugs were being tested on them. And that did not happen. In some cases, that was a violation of law. Uh, we found instances going back to 1992 where Fauci's division uh, did a uh, vaccine test and they uh, had two members on the oversight board monitoring this test who had connections or were being paid by the drug company making the vaccine. That's called an ethical conflict of interest. We also had a story uh, and we have him coming on uh, the podcast next week, Dr. Jonathan Fishbein. Uh, he was the head of ethics and compliance for Dr. Fauci's AIDS division, and he was a whistleblower that highlighted some of these patient safety and ethics issues, and they fired the guy, and he had to be forcibly reinstated uh, after the government concluded he was the likely victim of retaliation. So Dr. Fauci hasn't had a, a perfect record. He asked us to go back and look at that record. If you go to the story on justthenews.com, it's called Fauci Files. You'll learn about that. And today we have another story about him. We went through all the audits of his contracting. And what do you find out there? Well, you find out that on multiple occasions from 2006 to 2012, the Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services, which manages or oversees the NIH, which is the parent organization for Dr. Fauci's Infectious and Allergy Disease, I'm sorry, Allergies and Infectious Disease Division, uh, they did multiple audits of contracts. And what they found was that he repeatedly uh, his agency repeatedly in contracts uh, violated what is known as time uh, and uh, time regulations where they were charging for in a time period when they weren't allowed to. And more importantly, that NIAID violated the Anti-Deficiency Act. How do you do that? That's a weird sounding law, but it's very important. It's a law that imposes fiscal discipline on federal agencies and their contracts. And what it basically says is, you can't spend money in a year that you didn't get the appropriation from Congress. So what uh, the IG found, the Inspector General for the HHS Department found, was that on multiple contracts over multiple years, um, Fauci's agency spent money they didn't have legally authorized, or they didn't spend the money they were supposed to spend. In both cases, that is a violation of the Anti-Deficiency Act, and it had to be reported to the president and to the Congress. And so uh, Fauci encouraged us to look at his record of uh, management, his record of leadership, his record of medicine. No one's going to challenge the fact that he's worked hard to try to cure AIDS and to address pandemics and to address other viruses. But his track record on ethics, at least the agency track record on ethics, whistleblowers, patient safety, there are some problems. His record on contracting, clearly flagged. Uh, his record in dealing with a whistleblower, not very good based on the final outcome of that case. And um, to, to wrap this up, because we're going to go another commercial break, and I really want you to hear from Dr. Stephen Hotze, who's this uh, frontline doctor in Houston where the COVID-19 pandemic is raging. And he's got some really strong advice, comments, and analysis about how public health officials have dealt with this. But before we get to that, let me just tell you the story of one specific uh, patient. 
there was a young woman with AIDS in Tennessee back in, I think it's 2003, and she was enrolled in one of the AIDS drug trials that were under Fauci's auspices, under the Division of AIDS, uh, under the NIAD, under the NIH, under the HHS, all that alphabet soup. But what this woman started to develop liver problems, serious liver problems. Uh, we, the drug that she was using, nevirapine, was known to create liver problems in some people, and they should have stopped the drug administering. They did not. They killed the woman, according to these documents. And when it came to the light of NIH, Fauci's immediate deputy in the AIDS division wrote in a callous email, guess you can't do anything about dumb doctors. That's how much they cared about that poor woman in that terrible medical experiment gone wrong. So when people say, should we trust Dr. Fauci? Here's some new evidence, new data, new information about his track record. He invited us to go there. And I invite you to go to the Just the News website, justthenews.com, and check out our stories, the Fauci files, two stories, one about his contracting problems, one about the ethics and other um, safety issues. Uh, they're good reads with my colleague Daniel Payne and I. We both wrote those stories. We hope you look at them and you can get a more complete picture of the complete Dr. Fauci career. There's a lot of good in it. I'm not, not going to deny that. But he also doesn't have the perfect record of trust. Certainly, that trust was violated with that woman in Tennessee, that young mother who died. And certainly, it was violated uh, with those foster children who are already vulnerable because they were separated from their parents. And now they were subjected to an AIDS drug trial. And it didn't go well. You'll see in there that there's an unexplained 10 deaths among the foster children in the trial. Uh, that doesn't mean that they were killed by the drugs, but there's an unexplained question mark in that um, already problematic trial because they didn't provide the patient advocates the safety protections for those patients. All right, when we come back from the commercial break, Dr. Stephen Hotze out of Houston, Texas, on the front lines of the COVID-19 outbreak there. He's got some strong words, some strong analysis, a contrarian view to some of our public health officials like Dr. Fauci and the governor of Texas Right after this commercial break, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Dr. Stephen Hotze of Houston, Texas. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest with a very special mission in life, Dr. Stephen Hotze. He is in Houston. He is a medical doctor, a best-selling author. He has his own podcast. And most importantly, he runs one of the most attended uh, health and wellness centers in uh, the Houston area. It's the Hotze Health and Wellness Center. And there he uh, works on the holistic approach to medicine. And Dr. Hotze, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us on John Solomon Reports today. Well, John, it's a privilege to be with you. I want to thank you for the outstanding work you've done through your television um, interviews on Fox News to keep Americans informed of what's really happening today in our political system. Well, thank you, sir. I, I feel very honored to be able to be in a perch to do that. And uh, 
we've been lucky to have so many honest people come forward and tell us the real truth of what went on in Washington the first few years of the Trump presidency. So we're very lucky. Um, now, you're doing something very important. It caught my attention uh, last week, and that is you are suing the state of Texas over the way COVID's been handled in that state. And I want you to talk about that because I find it fascinating. As a medical doctor, you've, you've taken your your best patient case and you've gone to the courts to try to make the case better for patients. Tell us what you're doing. Well, uh, our governor uh, issued executive, he's a Republican, which is surprising because Republicans are supposed to be for constitutional values that support that. But our governor, Greg Abbott, had, has issued a series of executive orders over the last three months, uh, which violated the constitution as applied. Uh, he, in, in what he did was shut down businesses, and he chose businesses. Some were essential, some were non-essential. For instance, restaurants were non-essential. He shut them down, but liquor stores were <laughs> kept open. Isn't that and amazing? What, Contrasts well, are unbelievable. One of, yeah. One of, the, one of the public health officers said, so many people are addicted to alcohol, we, we're afraid if we stopped the alcohol purchases in Texas that we, the hospitals would be full of people withdrawing from alcohol, so they decided to keep the stores open. But anyway, what they've done is uh, in a shutting down a business, you may not be familiar with this term. This is a regulatory inverse condemnation. If you owned a business, John, and the governor came and said, you know, your business isn't essential. You've got employees, you've got staff, you've got customers, all who think you're essential. It's essential to you and your family and to your staff and to your customers. And he shuts it down without any legal due process. And it also violates equal protection because one business is selected over another. You know, we can't have many stores, restaurants are shut, but they leave Walmart open and a thousand yeah. people show up. You, you can't attend church. There was a time in Texas, now he's that's been opened up, but there was a time when the churches were shut down. Now they're regulated on how they can conduct their services, and you're familiar with that across of the country. What's happening in California? They won't let them sing in church. Hello, <laughs> I mean, you, we can't make this. But you can talk in a Walmart. Yeah, mm. but you can walk around in Walmart, and uh, the provisions are arbitrary and they're capricious. That means there's no rhyme or reason. They're, they they haven't. If there's a compelling interest, and the government says, well, we have a compelling, purport to have a compelling interest on this COVID situation, they're required by law and by court precedents to pick the least restrictive and most narrowly tailored means to advance their alleged compelling interest, and they haven't done that. So right. I, filed, <coughs> I filed suits both against the governor in state court and in federal district court. I filed suits against our county judge, Lena Hidalgo, who became an American citizen from Colombia. She's an avowed socialist, avowed, which means she's a Marxist and a communist. So let's just be, right. let's just call it spade a spade. Right. She, she became a citizen in 2013. She was in graduate school, never held a job. They put her name on the ballot for county judge, which in Texas, the county judge runs the commissioner courts. The commissioner courts are made up of five people, four county commissioners and a county judge. You don't have to be an attorney to be in a county judge. It's an executive position. That's amazing. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, Texas, that's the law. I don't know how it is in other states, but that's the way it's run in Texas. And sure. they handle the streets and roads and all that. Well, Harris County, as you can imagine, is six million people spends literally billions of dollars every year on roads and tollways and all that sort of thing. Sure. But she but she ended up upsetting 
the county judge. So now the Democrats have a five, uh, three to uh, two majority. And just to tell you how crazy this is, they, uh, a month ago, issued uh, a, a budget to allocate $12 million to register all voters in the county by mail. Wow. Which is totally illegal, but they're going to, they said they're going to do it by mail. Three million for the mailing, nine million dollars for education to educate the voters. Mm. And I predict is they will only send these into the Democrat precincts. And I know this is a means for them to steal elections. Folks, that's how, that's what happens with the, when these uh, mail in ballots go out. Of course. Now in Texas, if you're 65 and older, you can request one. Or if you were traveling out of the state, you could. But it's not for the general population, and it's never been that way. And it's fact, it's, it's banned in Texas. But even though they get a court order against him, it doesn't stop the Democrat county clerk from mailing him out. What are they going to do to him? There's no penalty. I mean, theoretically, they could hold him in contempt of court and throw him into jail, but he'll be all protected by his, his uh, Democrat judges, that uh, socialist judges that took over Harris County. So that's that's the politics of it. Anyway, she's issued a whole series of orders like the governor did. The governor's backed down on some of his orders here, but he still uh, has mask mandates. And she came out and said, uh, this is Lena Hidalgo County Judge in Harris County, issued an order at the first of the month that if any business allowed anyone to come in without a mask, they would be fined $2,000. Right, I remember this. And so, so now the businesses are the ones that have to enforce the mandate because nobody was wearing that, wouldn't wear masks. But now the businesses are concerned. So all the businesses, uh, for the most part, all the businesses are trying to enforce this so they don't get a, so they don't get popped. So it's it's forcing people to have to wear masks, and that's a whole other discussion about whether masks are effective or ineffective. Since the get go on this whole COVID thing, I, I said this is the greatest fraud ever perpetrated upon the American public. And the American public bought the bait hook, line, and sinker. It was all, it, I, I happen to believe, having done the study of it, this whole thing has been orchestrated for one, may, one primary purpose, and that is to destroy the economy and undermine Trump's ability to be reelected. That's my opinion on it. Right. Uh, uh, and I know you have, have express similar opinions. So let's just talk real briefly about about COVID. It is a respiratory flu-like virus. Right. Whether or not it was created by Bill Gates in China and all that, I mean, you know, people, you know, I've read plenty on that. You have to, and there may be some truth to all this, but the long and the short, it's here. It's a real virus. I don't say uh, it's yeah, People get sick, people die from it, right? We're not disputing that at all. No, but it's here, but it is very mild, and it's a trivial cause of death in Texas compared to all the other causes of death. Last year in Texas, we had 10,000 people die of flu and flu-related pneumonia. So far in Texas this year, over the last six months, we've had a little over 3,000 people die allegedly attributed to COVID. COVID. And, and they said, well, all these people are dying in nursing homes. In Texas last year, 180,000 people died for all, from all sorts of reasons. 40,000 people died in nursing homes in Texas. Yeah. One, uh, that's, that's about one-fifth of Fifth the people of that died, yeah. died in nursing homes. 
So they're saying people are dying in nursing homes. Well, when people go to nursing homes, they don't go there to be rehabilitated. Normally, a person's placed in a nursing home by a family because they need around-the-clock care. That's they're right. so debilitated and infirm with pre-existing conditions. That's the last stop. That's just what it is. I call it hospice light. Right. They go there to be, be cared for. And many of the nursing homes, you know, sir, some of them are just uh, it's very unfortunate how, how badly they're run and how, how they're handled especially ones that are government-run or government-funded. It's, it's, I have a son that's a plaintiff attorney, and he, he, he did some lawsuits in nursing homes. And he said, Dad, you just would not believe what goes on in these nursing homes, how poorly they're run. Right. So it's not at all surprising that we have, and in some of the states, it's up to, I read last, I read on New Hampshire, 75% of the people that had died were in nursing homes. Yeah. Well, is this surprising? They die in nursing homes every year. Of it's the reason illness. why we're, that's right. That's why we worry about flu in nursing homes too. That's that's right. And the, the flu, a urinary tract infection, sepsis, bed sores, a whole, uh, plus their underlying conditions. So it's not surprising. And that doesn't mean, I'm not trying to be cavalier about it, but we all have a life expectancy. I have a life expectancy. I was born, I live my life. I'm still active. I'm at 70. I've been practicing medicine 45 years. And I, and I know at some point, uh, somebody's going to uh, write an uh, uh, obituary about me and somebody's going to give a eulogy about me. That's going to happen. <laughs> In the meantime, I'm going to do everything I can to stay healthy. So when, I, when this COVID came out, I immediately knew this was wrong. In my gut, I knew it was wrong because my mother had told me, son, never follow the herd. You'll stampede over a cliff or be stampeded to death. Move out and lead the herd. So when I saw the, the mass hysteria that had been been created and was attempting to be created by government health bureaucrats who don't practice medicine, by the mainstream media, and by, um, by demagogue politicians to take, uh, to take control and power from the people and trample on their, on their uh, constitutional liberties, God-given and unalienable constitutional liberties, right. I knew there was a problem. And I began to research South Korea, Singapore, Taiwan, none of who completely shut down at all. They didn't have the lockdowns. And I began to see how, these, how the problem could be treated. I was on Fox News March 15th in the afternoon, and I said, look, you listen to all these health bureaucrats telling you to social distance and don't shake hands and don't get near people and on and on and on, lockdown, but nobody's told you what you can do to stimulate and bolster your immune system, obviously, right. but we know this is that people that tend to contract diseases tend to be people that are unhealthy and they have compromised immune system. Well, why don't we build up our immune system? Why isn't somebody telling you what you can do and being being practicing a holistic or natural approach to health, I've been a strong advocate for vitamin supplementation for 30 years. And the most important thing for a person to do to bolster their immune system is take high dose of vitamin A, right. a good B complex, high doses of vitamin C. I recommend 1,000 milligrams for 25 pounds body weight. If you weigh 200 pounds, take 8,000 units, 8,000 milligrams a day, and take vitamin D3. Right. And I recommend now 10,000, and we give 10,000 international units. Almost everybody's low in vitamin D. That stimulates the immune system. There have been articles about vitamin D helping, uh, helping people overcome, uh, over, overcome the COVID virus and other respiratory viruses and take zinc and a good probiotic. So I created an immune pack, and I said that on national TV. 
and there was some doctor from Connecticut that ran the whole hospital system, and she, well, she came down, oh, these vitamins don't know, we don't know if they work or not. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I'm 70 years old. When I practiced emergency medicine for five years, and in my practice, I've seen people with bacterial and viral meningitis, pneumonia, gastrointestinal problems caused by bacterial and infectious diseases, strep infections, staph infections all over the body. You name it, I've seen it. I was exposed. I never wore a mask one. I never quarantined myself. I went home with a family with eight kids, and nobody ever got it. Wow. What is it about this virus that, right? that makes us think it's different than anything else? They're trying to scare the public because they want to see how far they can push the public to see how far they're, how much liberty they're willing to give up. This is just a, this is just a first phase of what I believe ultimately they're going to try to do in the country. So, in in Texas, here's the here's a quick statistic: a little over three, I think, the 3,300 attributed to COVID deaths out of a population of 30 million. That means so that many of that that means 99.991 percent of all people in Texas have not died. Right. And, and of those that, that puts have it in perspective. Been, pardon me. That puts it in perspective. <laughs> right. And and then on top of that, of people that have been allegedly have the COVID virus, and I can't, you can't believe the test, sir. I'm I'm telling you, I I know I know three people that went and got in line. Right. Signed up to get in line and they couldn't wait. They left and they got a letter back that they had Saying positive. positive COVID. Right. Yeah. Right. And then That's I have a, I have another another friend who had a son who works. He, he's a, he's a, doing an internship in college for some company. The company decided to test everybody. Was sent off to some lab in Tyler, Texas. He gets his report back. Page one says that he has this gentleman has COVID positive. He flips over to the lab test and the lab test says test inconclusive presumed positive wow and he was countered as having covid yeah that's so not medically you saw responsible what happened in florida you right. saw what happened in florida so the 10x hospital right the hospital counted things 10 times it's just it's out of control mm-hmm. listen to this in the republican states compared to the democratic states the democrats have eight times the death rate that's the number of people that have died over the entire population. They have eight times the death rate as Republican states. Um, no, I don't think this virus is selectively chosen Democratic yeah. states. To Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That. I've got to believe they're cooking the numbers. Why do they want to do that? Now, they're not talking about deaths anymore. It's incidents. Right. I'm a believer in herd immunity. Let the virus run its course. I've had several patients, uh, guests of ours here at the Hotel Health and Wellness Center, that either had symptoms or had symptoms and got a test. Not everybody was tested. I don't have everybody tested because of the, the surveillance and contact tracing. And what what I immediately was able to do is get them started on hydroxychloroquine, right. Zithromax, and make sure they had zinc. And to the person, within 24 hours, they were dramatically improved, and their fevers completely subsided. And I have, an, I have an 83-year-old former state senator and his wife. He called me up Sunday. He said, Cynthia's been sick for two days, and, you know, I've got a fever now. What do you think? I said, you probably got COVID. Let me call this in. He calls me back Monday. She's got no fever anymore. She feels great, and I feel great. And wow. he, he texted me again on Tuesday. So there's some, there's some very safe, effective treatments, of course, as you know, the president. I think, right. I know he's taking hydroxychloroquine. I think he's taking it prophylactically. Uh, just from, That's been from the, the comments, right? But 
but but now the FDA and state medical boards have cracked down on and 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 pharmacy boards cracked down on anybody that uses hydroxychloroquine. Mm. Now that's just that's something. I mean, there's something terribly wrong about this situation. And so what they what they have done, I it it appears what they're doing is they have politicized this. Now I've got I've I've got suits against the governor in state court and federal court. Last last week, the uh, on on the eighth of March, the governor uh, the mayor of Houston, um, Sylvester Turner, who is a an a lifelong Democrat. He was in the legislature for 35 years, canceled the Republican state convention in Houston, which was a week out, threw everything into disruption. Right. The party thought they, so I filed a lawsuit as a delegate. I want to go to the national convention. I filed a lawsuit in federal district court for a, for a, for a, for a temporary restraining order against the mayor. We lost on Wednesday because the, the party said, well, we're going to go ahead and have a virtual convention. Nobody could get online on Thursday. We went back to court and got the party to join us in the suit. The gov- the uh, judge, federal judge, Lynn Hughes, granted a temporary restraining order, and he called it a preliminary injunction because we'd already discussed the issues and said that the mayor had to open up this weekend, this past weekend, and the following weekend to let us have an in-person convention. So you won. Well, I, well I, yeah, we won in federal district court. It was They appealed immediately to the Fifth Circuit, which stayed the decision. Doesn't mean they overruled it. They stayed it until they got the written report from the uh, uh, from, from Judge Hughes, which is a beautiful, uh, beautiful decision and, that he made. Uh, in, in writing, and I'll send you a copy of that to see where he stood. It was all on constitutional grounds, violation of First Amendment rights, freedom of speech, and freedom of assembly. He said in court that Mayor Turner had violated the First Amendment rights of Republicans not letting them meet. And we had just had a month before a 60,000-person march for for that convicted felon, George George Floyd, and had a huge funeral. Nobody had any social distancing. Half the people didn't have on masks. Nobody said anything. But when the Republicans wanted to meet, they wanted to throw the Republicans into disarray. Under the and law, really that's did. the question here, right? Which is that it's an unequal protection, right? Uh, that's right. Two people that's treated right. two very different ways with the same right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. the judge saw that. Now, we also have a federal lawsuit in the same court with Judge Lynn Hughes against the governor for his executive orders, right. which shut down businesses, churches, and, and, and chose between businesses, which is unequal protection. He did it all without due process. Literally, we have there are literally hundreds of thousands of businesses in Texas that will never reopen. There have um, been 2 million jobs lost in this state. Yeah, the is, economic, it, economic consequences are, are I don't know how real. you come back. I don't know how you come back from it. Yeah. But uh, and he also came out with a surveillance and contact tracing program without it, with only two days of bids. He gave it to a group called MTX out of New York. Had never had only had $14 million in gross revenue last year, not in profits, gross revenue. Gave them a $295 million contact to do contact tracing and surveillance, and they'd never been in the business before. It's really odd when things happen, when things like this happen, it makes you go, hmm, I wonder what's going on. My dad used to say, if something seems inexplicable, 
follow the money trail. So somebody made some money there somewhere who had influence with the governor to be able to get that uh, to get that contract with only two days worth of bidding on it. So that's where we are, and we're, we filed suit against that, and that will be heard in federal district court probably next week. Our, our current lawsuit with the county judge on our masking order and our other executive orders, we lost in state district court in in Harris County, which is all controlled by quote avowed socialist Democrats that that won the election and they control the courts. We knew we were going to lose there, so we filed an emergency petition for a writ of mandamus with the Texas Supreme Court asking them to mandate that her order be canceled. So we're going to see what happens. That that was that was filed yesterday. Yesterday, right? Yeah. And, right. And they will they will have a since it's an emergency uh, petition, they will hear it today or tomorrow on Zoom. They're not meeting in person and they will have to make a decision. In the meantime, we also have the federal lawsuit against uh, Governor Abbott uh, in hoping what happens in, in, in state courts, a lot of people, uh, even the Supreme Court, six of the members were appointed by the governor. Now they're reelected. Everybody has to go through an election. But w- the way the buddy system works, if you were on the Supreme Court and I and I was the governor and I appointed you, I'd say, John, now you know, when you get ready not to run, you're going to need to resign a couple of months before so I can appoint right. somebody That's right. like I did you. That's what we're doing in Texas. Great. And we're really leading the way. If we can get a, if we can get another successful ruling from either federal judge Lynn Hughes or the state Supreme Court, well, this will embolden and encourage other patriotic Americans across the country to stand up for their rights in their courts of law. And it will set precedent. Wow. Um, let me walk through some basic medical stuff. So this is a, a respiratory flu. Normally, respiratory flu start off extremely more dangerous at the beginning, and then they begin to morph. Correct me if I'm wrong in this. They begin to morph, become more contagious and less virulent uh, in terms of symptoms. Is that is that generally the true uh, the, the theory of virology of yes, respiratory? That, 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 that is the case, and this particular virus uh, has mutated. Wow. Uh, we know that from studies across the world, even in the United States, it's begun to mutate, just like the flu virus mutates. When you take a flu shot, that's a flu shot from the virus last year. You've got a mutated flu. That's right. So 50, 50% of the people with the flu had a flu shot. Right. Why did they get it? Because it mutated. Right. And the coronavirus is mutating. A vaccine is not going to be the end. It's going to be much like a flu vaccine. You right. know, it will, it will work 30 to 60% of the time, and it won't work, you know, the rest of the time. 40 to 70%, it won't work. And so that's why I believe what we've always done historically. Look, I grew up. We got measles, mumps, the whole nine yards. Yeah. In fact, they used to have measles parties. You know, we had seven That's kids. Right. Mom didn't want them all. Mom didn't want, you know, it'd run through them. Everybody get them. Make sure everybody gets measles one time. We don't want to drag this thing on. And it would run through the family, and everybody's done it. Now you're immune. That's, that's right. called herd immunity. Right. And that's what I believe that we need to do, this idea of locking down and opening up and locking down and opening up. We will, we will absolutely destroy the economy. It will never come back when you do that. You've got to let it run its course. Those people that have pre-existing conditions, elderly and infirm, they should protect themselves. If they want to go out and don't care, I know people in their – I'm 70 for crying out loud. I don't wear a mask. I don't do – I go out. I meet people all the time. I'm healthy. I'm well. I've got my hormones balanced. I've got – you know, I take, I, take my, I, I take all my vitamins and minerals. I eat healthy, by the way. 
let me mention something to your listening audience of which 70% are overweight. The reason that we're overweight is that we eat high starch diets. Starches right. are sugar molecules hooked together. Sugar raises insulin level. Insulin converts sugar to fat. We get overweight. We get high blood pressure. We get heart disease, kidney problems, degenerative arthritis. We get strokes. We get Alzheimer's, all because we're eating a high simple carbohydrate sugar diet. And that's what we need. And that also depresses the immune system. So I, I recommend a good whole food diet. We recommend good healthy oils and fats, butter. We recommend avocados, eggs, you know, eat nuts, fish oil, olive oil, cod, cod liver oil, eat healthy vegetables, pour butter on it, a little bit of meat, and intermittently fast. So you, I, I'll eat one time a day. I eat it, uh, and I've done this for years, I eat in the evening. I have bulletproof coffee in the morning, and that's coffee with coconut oil uh, in it, a tablespoon right. with some stevia. I have two cups of that, big cups. I'm not hungry all day long. And then I have a, a small portion for dinner and I'm satisfied, but I've learned to eat that way. I don't live to eat. I eat to live. Right. And I know that's what there's a big difference. Me. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, we got a few minutes left. And I want to walk through a couple of things because I want to get back to this idea of political weaponization of medicine. So if, if, Doctors generally know that every respiratory virus starts terrible. So in New York, it was pretty awful. We get that. And then, and then it, it slows down and it becomes more contagious and less deadly as it spreads through the course of the year. Then That's wh right. why are people, people panicking now when we see a declining death rate, a declining hospitalization rate? There, there are more people in the hospital in Texas re recently than there were a few months ago, but the severity of the symptoms and the outcomes are very different. Isn't that true? Well, it, that's true. And as a matter of fact, only in ICUs, only 15% of the people at the last the last report I saw even had positive COVID. And remember, there are people in the hospital. They, they check everybody that goes to the hospital yeah. with the coronavirus. They check you up in your nostrils. Guess what the most common cause of the uh, cold is? Yeah. Uh, it's coronavirus. Right. It's one of the top causes. It's rhinovirus. Yeah. And so if you're going to stick that up there, how specific are these tests? It's like... Everybody in the Solomon family has got the same genes, and everybody right. may look alike and be similar. And so when you test, well, that's a Solomon. That's a Solomon. Or when you test, well, there's coronavirus, but is that a coronavirus from COVID-19, right. or is that just the coronavirus that we all have sitting in our sinuses? Right. We all have these viruses and bacteria. Every one of us are exposed to trillions of viruses and bacteria every day. They fill our body. Our mouths are covered with bacteria. Our colons are. So... And what our immune system does, God's given us the immune system to simply help us maintain and hold all these viruses and bacteria in at bay. Yeah. So, yeah, hold them in check. And that's what happens. So people come in with all kinds of problems. They go to the hospital with a heart attack. They check them for COVID and they say, well, they got COVID. Right. And then, they, and then they're in the emergency room for a heart attack, but, they, but the, but the yeah, hospital reports COVID, COVID because they get $13,000 for every COVID case. That's right. Yeah, no, that's, it's become a cash game. So I want to walk you through a couple more things. So uh, COVID and the cold form has been around forever. But in the early 2000s, COVID in a, a bat, uh, you know, uh, civet uh, human transmission. We, we had saw, SARS one. SARS one, SARS right? One. Yep. And and that and then SARS and MERS, we got in that kind of two three range. It would seem if scientists were really worried about it, if the public health officials were really worried about it back then, 
why wouldn't they have created a base vaccine that when it came around and we did have one that spread more widely than those two, which by the way, were contained pretty easily, we'd have a base to work off of COVID, you know, uh, vaccines. Uh, if it was so dangerous back then, why didn't our public health officials start to work on a vaccine? So the next time it jumped, we'd have an, a, a leg up on it. Did, did we miss a, a good public health opportunity there? Well, probably the scientists realized that a vaccine is oftentimes a fool's errand because they realize this thing is going to mutate. Right. And the, and they know that the vaccines – now, some vaccines, when there's not mutation, can be very helpful. Think about polio vaccine. Right. But these respiratory uh, viruses mutate. Right. And it's, it's kind of like, why are we going to spend money on this? Why are we going to do it? And they just decided it didn't really justify the expense to do that. Mm-hmm. And would we really have a leg up? Well, it's uh, it's different than the, it's mutated. The virus, SARS-2 is different than SARS-1, which we had back in the first. Right. And there was the, there was a Middle East respiratory uh, yep. uh, problem they had. This is, we've had every year or every two years, it seemed like every election year, we have this, this uh, public health problem, you know, and everybody's worried. Well, look, we had the swine flu back when, when, uh, Barack Obama was there, and he didn't declare emergency for six months, and right. he never could. And every year, fifty thousand people die in America the flu. We don't wear, we don't shut down schools and, yeah. and churches and and businesses. Nobody wears masks, and everybody look. If if you got sick with, if we didn't know about the coronavirus and you got sick and were home for a week, they say, yeah, oh, John had the flu. Nobody would quarantine themselves. Nobody would uh, lock down yeah. or wear a mask. They said, John had the flu. Hope yeah. I don't get it. Right. The, um, given what you've seen, and I want to get to politics as the last question, but before that, do we have a public health system, a public health institution that is a sick patient itself, meaning that it creates hysteria without solutions, it creates solutions without the proper hysteria? Are, are, have we been let down by the NIH, the CDC, the state health departments? Uh, most people I talk about in the national security world said what they saw play out this year makes them scared that a a terrorist with a really bad virus might come in because we don't have any real smart people running the public health system, prepared people that are going to deal with this. Are we, do we have a sick patient in the public health sector right now? Well, we do. And the reason is, is in, in my opinion, many people that can't really make it in the, in the uh, uh, free enterprise economy as, as doctors or anything else oftentimes gravitate towards government. To research it's wonderful. Huh? benefits they have right. and this goes this goes the same thing for the health bureaucrats fauci graduated from cornell in 66 from medical school in 68 he goes to work for the nih for 52 years he's been a government employee and and you go look at his background he's tied into gates he's on gates's worldwide vaccination uh, leadership he's been on that for 10 years yeah. he's got he's you know fauci has not been in the real world I don't know if he's ever really treated a patient other than maybe when he was in his internship right. as he really treated anybody. So he has a different perspective on things. And I, I, it's unfortunate that he got the ear of president Trump, whom, as you know, is a admitted germaphobe. You know that he said mm-hmm. that on national TV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he just, he used to not shake hands. You yeah, know? That's right. Now he does. But uh, so I'm sure they came in there and told him the worst case scenario, 2.2 million people are going to die. This is the worst thing ever since the bubonic plague. 
And his concern was that this was really going to happen. And I don't know how he ever gets rid of Fauci. You know, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. And I'm hoping he's going to make. Uh, he knows intuitively. He knows that what has happened is not been right, and he wants to get the economy going. He wants people back at work. He knows that needs to be done, and I hope that he will have the fortitude to make pull this off. It's so important. He's left it up to the governors that we have to do. What I've been doing is try to force the governors, either through political or legal process, to open up their states. That's Let right. Them, let the virus run its course. But yes, the answer to your question, of course, anytime you have, look, what's the old adage that Reagan said? Always beware when you have somebody knock on you at the door and they say, I'm the government, I'm here to help you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he did utter that famous line. You're right. Well, that's what we have now. Yeah. Remember, they said, no mask. Oh, don't wear a mask. You don't, I've got a yeah. commercial of mine I have on TV about no mask with Fauci. You don't right. need to wear a mask. Now, all of a sudden, masks are important. And I think the reason is, John, is that because the death rate is falling so dramatically, they've got to keep people scared. And putting on masks really does cause people to feel anxious. They're anxious sure. about it. But we wouldn't yeah. be wearing masks if it, it wasn't really a serious problem. It creates personal so isolation, it, too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And by the way, masks, masks, uh, I'll leave you with this. Ma the, the viral particle is nanoparticle. That's right. I mean, it's it's going to go right through that cloth, cloth, right? And it goes right through the mask. It right. goes around the mask. It right. floats in the air. It gets in the air conditioner system. Right. It's everywhere. It's yep. ubiquitous. And the mask will not prevent that. Besides, they cause hypoxemia. And I've said, I've seen these fact checks. Oh, it doesn't cause hypoxemia. They've done studies and I've read the studies right. of surgeons that are in surgery and they do oximeters on it. And after two hours in surgery, they have a significant drop in their, in their uh, blood oxygen, oxygen. levels. Right. And how can they say that's not a fact? when we've got papers on it that have proven it. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely challenges to that. All right, this is the last question because I think actually it sums up a lot of what we've been talking about. It seems to me that in this uh, pandemic, you see more politics and medicine being practiced by public health officials. Describe, you've done a good job describing all the points, but how did we get to this point? How did uh, medicine become politicized? Well, I guess how did the FBI become politicized in the Russia case? But um, give us your assessment of how this evolution from medicine and neutrality to political uh, gamemanship appears to have gone in your, the way you view it. Well, of course, it starts with the health bureaucrats issuing these uh, ridiculous orders and and uh, predictions. Right. And then the conventional medical doctors fall into line because most physicians are very conventional. They were trained. Uh, in medical school, and they oftentimes are unwilling to think out of the box or challenge the current current orthodoxy because they they feel they'll be thought of badly by their peers. And it's a very conservative profession, uh, and I think that's the re I think most doctors, even though in closed doors, they'd say this is the craziest thing ever I've ever seen. Right, they're most not willing to willing to take a public stand on that yeah. because the medical boards will chastise them if they come out uh, uh, and call this the fraud that it is. And they'll be looked down upon some of their colleagues and they'll get bad press. And so most people aren't willing to do that. I think it's just uh, uh, the na it's human nature. I mean, think of yourself. 
think think all the study and all uh, all the exposés that you have done through your investigative reporting that's available to every reporter in the country to go do that kind of study but my my old professor of medicine used to say when we we he would ask us why 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 and we could finally he showed us that we were ignorant we didn't know and he said the problem with you and and with most doctors is you know why they don't think and we said why sir and he said because basically they're lazy and thinking takes a lot of hard work and that's what you and so you guys need to work and you need to think and it takes time to do that and most people aren't willing to take most doctors and conventional doctors they're having to see a pot full of patients all day long they don't have time to do all these studies or get involved and so they just follow the crowd that's the way that's the way that's why you see all these people with masks nobody's going to challenge it they know intuitively it's wrong but they don't know what to do about it that's why I've written extensively and I've been on, this is my 123rd radio or podcast or TV program I've been on wow. since March 15th. You're, you're spreading Trying the word from a real practitioner, practitioner on the front lines. I mean, that's one of the problems, which is the doctors on the front lines, the people who see this, they often get silence in the public policy debate. Bureaucrats overrule doctors, whether it's hydroxychloroquine, all these things. Um, I think that's one of the, when we armchair quarterback what happened the last eight months, we're going to learn a lot about re-empowering the doctors on the front lines and stop letting some researcher who hasn't seen a patient in 30 years uh, making the calls for it. That's exactly right. Well, sir, Dr. Hosea, I can't thank you enough. This has been very educational. We're very excited. I know my listeners at John Solomon Reports are going to take great uh, pleasure in listening to this and learning and contemplating the, the very big thoughts that you've, you've left us with. Um, if people want to learn about your center, how do they get in touch with you? How do they uh, line up and get to the center? Well, you can go online at Hotsey, H-O-T, it's in Tom Z's and Zebra E, Hotsey, H-W-C, Health Wellness Center, Hotsey, And our vitamin company is Hotsey, H-O-T-Z-E, Vitamins. And there we make our recommendations of what you need to do to build your immunity. And I have a Dr. Hotsey Immune Pack trying to help people give them a solution on how they can, what they can do proactively to be healthy. That's what we need to do. Every one of us needs to take charge of our health. And if you want to be healthy, folks, nobody can do it but you. You can't depend upon your doctor, the insurance company, the government, or your spouse. It's up to you. That's funny. When I I had a pediatrician when I was growing up, uh, he was an old school pediatrician. I loved him and I couldn't, I I was sad the day I had to move to my adult primary care position because I love this man. He used to always tell me, son, your best doctor is the patient. If you take care of yourself, you won't need to see me very often. And uh, those are those are wise words to live by. Exactly. He was a very wise doctor. That he was. I, I, I have much great and great. I feel blessed to have had him as my doctor. Well, Dr. Hotsey, we've been so lucky to have you here. I thank you. Uh, let's um, stay in touch. I think this pandemic is, if, if it was the normal course of a, a respiratory flu, does this sort of peter out around September time frame? Well, it does, and of course, it may reoccur as the flu season starts again. Right. We'll just have to see. If they keep all these lockdowns, people aren't inter- – you can't build herd immunity if you're not interacting. Yeah. You've got to interact. And the vast majority of people – listen, uh, the the death rate in Texas is 1 in 10,000, and that's not for everybody. That's 1 in 10,000 for the whole population. Right. If you're 50 and under, it's one and a half a million or right. one in a million. I mean, unless you have a pre – and kids under 18 hardly have any symptoms at all. I've had eight grandkids out of 24 grandkids have it. It lasted overnight. That wow. was it. Wow. 
fascinating. Well, we're going to learn a lot, and hopefully our public policy gets wiser because this this thing has been an unusual uh, and, un, and I, I would argue unnecessary roller coaster. We should have been better prepared, and the people that we gave billions of dollars to at the NIH and other places, the CDC, they had no idea what they were doing. I, mean, I think it's pretty clear. We've done stories on Just the News where the flip-flops are more than I, I flip my pancakes when I'm making my breakfast in the morning, and at some point uh, we need to call it out and get it fixed so that we're better prepared for the next um, health crisis. So, sir, you've helped us get there. I thank you, and let's have you back on real soon. Thank you so much, John. All right, folks, we're going to come back for a com- after a quick commercial break and wrap things up for the day. We'll be right back. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for sticking through this. This was such an important uh, podcast, I think. We're all worried about COVID. We're all been uh, mortally confused by it because of all of the different advices that our public health officials gave us. And I think today, David, uh, Dr. Stephen Hotze gave us a very clear, unique uh, way of how a frontline medical practitioner on the front lines in Texas, where COVID's big right now, how they're viewing this. That this is the normal course of a respiratory virus that we're probably heading towards herd immunity before we get those vaccines. Again, it's one point of view, but it's, it's an informed point of view by a person who's been a doctor for many, many years on the front lines and currently on the front lines. Uh, you see Dr. Hotze on Fox News, other TV networks. Um, we were so glad he gave us that much time, took some time away from his patients to come help explain to all of us, the larger patients in America, the larger population, what it's about. Uh, if you get a chance, check out his website. Uh, he's a very um, prolific writer. He's uh, on television. He's trying to inform the debate as best he can with the frontline knowledge we have. And I think one thing he said today is very important, that there are two levels of doctors, those on the front lines treating patients and those that are in the institutional bureaucracy of big government medicine. And uh, his point, I think, well taken, is that those on the front lines need to be listened to more. Hydroxychloroquine, we know from frontline doctors, we know from the studies that have been written in the last two weeks that the news media are hiding or not reporting on fully, that hydroxychloroquine did work just like the frontline doctors did, unlike the FDA, CDC, NIH doctors who tried to throw it under the bus once uh, Donald Trump got behind it. Uh, These are important perspectives to have a doctor like Dr. Hotze talking to us, and that's why we do John Solomon Reports, the podcast. That's why we have Just the News. We feel very lucky. We'll be back with you next week. I don't know where we're going to go next, but I think we might be able to get that NIH whistleblower who worked for Dr. Fauci, the one I mentioned earlier in the podcast. He might just come on this show and tell us all what really happened under Dr. Fauci's reign at the National Institutes of Health. So stay tuned. That's a little tease. Hopefully it'll come true. Uh, Have a great week and be safe. Enjoy your family. Wear those masks just to make sure that people around you feel a little more comfortable. We're all in this together. And uh, we'll be back at you next week with some new news, some new exclusives. Don't leave home without checking out Just the News. We really appreciate what you do. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. 
will be back to you next Tuesday.